you've chosen the Transatlantic Titans podcast over Barrapod. Obviously. At the 26-yard line. Henry, running lane. Henry. Turning on the speed, Derek Henry. Stiff arm. Henry, another. Oh, he's done it again. Oh, Henry. Touchdown, Titans. Hi, my name's Adam, and this is the Transatlantic Titans podcast. How are you doing? I have Greg Kett with me. How are you doing, Greg? Yeah, very well. It's been. Uh, it feels like we had a an additional bye week this week, watching games on Sunday without any kind of stress. It's 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 felt a bit strange, but we're uh, back to Sunday football this coming week. So. The, uh... Yeah, which is which is a shame. I like those red zone Sundays of not having to worry about the Titans. So we had what two in three weeks like that, which is good. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's good to it's good to have them. And then it just reminds me of just how little I care about every other team in the league. So, <laughs> but um, it's nice to watch. Nice to watch games without the stress. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I quite enjoy it. It's there aren't. I don't find I can really do it that often with football. Or, or soccer, I could as a neutral. Sometimes it just doesn't pull me in. Very occasionally, um, even crickets like that these days. Um, I can't just sort of don't find I can watch any old cricket. But the NFL still pulls me in. You know the the Germany game in the afternoon, which I was actually wasn't that great a game in the end, as much as it yeah didn't live up to the billing. The the Chiefs Dolphins, but yeah, it's just nice to nice to watch the football and in, enjoyed it on the whole. It is just the intimate twosome of of us today. Um, so I apologise in advance. This may go a bit grumpy old man. Um, so we don't have the the balancing optimism of anyone else, I'm afraid. Um, should, be, plus... should, be easier to under, should be easier to understand for most people, though. I mean, we don't have the Northerners you know, bring, that, bringing, bringing the tone down. That is true. All of the accents you'll hear on this show are from south of the Watford Gap. So, yeah, it, you'll, it will hopefully make sense. First time at football was quite a long time ago. It feels uh, maybe we should have done this on Friday or Saturday, while it was fresh in the mind. But we didn't. Um, simple as that. It's it's Tuesday. It is six p.m. That's sounding like Alan Partridge here on the on his Norfolk <laughs> North Norfolk Digital Show. Six p.m. Why am I giving time we're, checks? We're live. We're live. <laughs> Um, yeah, this will just pull back the curtain for how long it takes to to process this sort of stuff. But anyway, there is a bit of breaking news though, live on the air, and that is that the Titans have waived Naquan Jones, which I don't think anybody was expecting. It's a bit of, I suppose, a, a low key move of somebody who hasn't really made much of an impact this year. But uh, I think was it four or five sacks in the last couple of seasons as a Titan, nothing, nothing in 2023, but he's, he's on his way out, which I mean, it's, it's not probably what we should, should be leading the show off with in terms of importance, but a bit of a shame. Would you agree? Yeah, I wasn't expecting it. Um, He's definitely fallen down the pecking order in, in this defense and certainly hasn't been able to make any kind of splash plays that we saw in previous years, but it frees up a spot that, I mean, they've, tried out the guy from is it Pittsburgh Bryant maybe they're going to look at bringing in an extra receiver and yeah maybe that's where their focus must be for for the short term but maybe not maybe they'll go and pick up somebody else I don't know but yeah I wasn't expecting it and that's for sure I, I 100% I mean even when you look look without the numbers he was one of those guys on the roster you kind of forgot about really um, there's certainly players who are making making more of an impact than him but he's he was a you know, guys probably played over thirty odd games for the Titans, and letting someone like that go has shown that maybe Pecco's above him in the in the pecking order. And I see, um, I see what you did there. 
Yeah, well, I wasn't trying to, um, but it was. It's just been one of those ones that, yeah, certainly wasn't expecting, but it's happened, and I'm not gonna not gonna lose sleep over it. But at the same time, it's gonna be interesting to see who they who they feel that gap with. Naquan, if you're listening, Greg isn't gonna lose sleep over this. Just just so just so you know, um, it's. I don't know. Are there any? Do you think there's any element of our pass rush struggling a little bit? It seems a weird thing to say, but I think we see, we seem to be a bit hot cold this year on on defense. I didn't f- think that we got well as many days ago as Thursday night football was. It didn't feel that we we got that much pressure on on Pickett. No, not no, not at all. And it was one of those uh, matchups at the beginning that we all thought. I think they had injuries galore on their O line. Um, I think they were playing. Broderick Jones for the first time, maybe. I'm not sure. I can't remember if it's first time, but he certainly hasn't played many, many games in this league. So it's definitely one of those uh, pressure has been an issue. I still think Landry is easing himself back in. We haven't, we've seen him make a few plays. Um, I mean, he ended, ended Anthony Richardson's season, which, you know, obviously no one wants to see a guy go down injured, but uh, I mean, we'll call that a splash play. Um, but he was one of those ones that he, he, hasn't been able to make the impact that we've seen previously. And and I think Neil makes this point quite a bit that for a pass rusher, the an ACL injury is a really tough one to come back from. And I think we're seeing that a little bit. But yeah, we've definitely seen we're a better team up front with Tier Tart in it, but we're not getting the the joy that I would certainly on Thursday didn't get the joy I was expecting to get from that O line. So it's a concern, but it's be interesting to see you know, who's going to come in if it is going to be someone to replace Naquan Jones like for like? You know, who's out there in the market that's going to going to fill that gap? Be interesting to see which which direction they go in. I actually think they'll go elsewhere. I think I mentioned Brian earlier as a as an extra wide receiver. Maybe that's the direction they go in where they feel like you know what, let's go and give um, go and give Levis another weapon because it's clear at the moment heavily too heavily reliant on uh, with Burks going down injured again. We're very heavily reliant on uh, on Hopkins at the moment. Bryant, just you mentioned him. That um, feels like that move's got disaster written all over it. I mean, I hope we're maybe jumping the guns. I think he's going to. He's got a visit with the Cowboys today, and he's visiting the Titans tomorrow. I think that it just smacks a bit of well, Josh Gordon vibes, and I don't. Well, I mean, in every sense, almost. Um, I couldn't believe that Bryant was only 31. He's been out the league a little while, I think. Uh, I sort of thought, oh, he's almost thought it was a, a joke in a weird way. Like, oh, he's, he's too long out the NFL, but I had a look and no, he's still, still only 31. Um, had plenty of talent when he burst on the scene was, was always my impression. So we'll see. But uh, I'm not sure it's uh, going to make or, or break our season. Any of this, any of this no. stuff? But... No, I, I'm I'm not sure what he would bring to the table. I I've, I can't say I've watched any XFL games, so I've no idea what what he did um, in in the XFL. But I mean, he hasn't played for an NFL team since 2018, and that is five years is a long, long time. This league, wow. yeah. Um, so it's uh, yeah. Look, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and and. It's one of those ones, I guess. It's it's low risk. I don't know how high that ceiling is, though. And and I'd much rather give it give an opportunity to a younger guy they can maybe go and develop rather than a a wide receiver who hasn't hasn't played a game of NFL anyway football for for five years. But we'll see. We'll see what comes out of it. Maybe that's the move they make. They obviously you know, look. We're in a situation as the Titans right now where you know we are. Yeah, maybe just willing to take those short-term risks. If it turns into a, a genius move, then then Rand's going to look like a look like a genius. If it doesn't, then you know no one's going to really think about it uh, past past after yeah. it gets cut anyway. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah. We'll see. That's that's fair. Um, okay, before we do our usual trick of answering all the questions before we ask them, is that the right way around? Um, let's go into into Discord. I don't think there's too much in there, but I did I did post something earlier. So yeah, just scrolling back a few days. I mean, this is just I think this must be the morning after the the night before in Pittsburgh. 
Um, Rob Langley, is Burks a bust? No sitting on the fence. Um, do you want to go first? Yeah, go on. Um, <laughs> okay, I mean, look, at the end, he's always going to get compared to AJ, and I hate it. And, and I know we can't, but the reality is he is always going to be compared because that was, in a way, the the like for like swap. So in that instance, yes, absolutely. But my big, the biggest issue is even if you take that out of the equation, he's a first round pick, and he can't stay healthy. He can't stay on the field, and I'm not even including the unfortunate injury he picked up on Thursday, that was, you know, one of those things that was unfortunate. Um, I mean, it sounded like he, he didn't come out of it too badly compared to the, obviously what it was on the field. Um, yeah, yeah look, right it now. terrific for a moment, didn't it? Just it horrible. did, yeah. I mean, when, whenever they call a car out on, onto the field for a head injury like that, you fear the worst. And um, But luckily the reports afterwards suggested that it was uh, it was mostly precautionary, which is which is good to see. I don't think, or we may see him Sunday. I've I've, I've no idea if if he'll be even in contention for it, or if he'll still be in the concussion protocol. I don't know. But yeah, look to get back to the original question. Right now, as in the seventh of November, yeah, I think he is. I think he is a bust at the moment because he hasn't been what you would want from a from a first round pick wide receiver. He kind of gives me the same. I have the same vibes with what we had with Corey Davis a little bit, where we know he can make plays. And I think Corey probably made more plays than he has up until now. Um, probably took a while to get going, though. Yeah, and I think... I wonder whether is... he ever did get going. He, he didn't... I don't Because he didn't get a touchdown his first season until the playoffs. No. And, and if you look at the touchdown that... I mean, the touchdowns that Burks has got so far might be saying plural and I might be wrong with that but he, the one one of them was when he jumped on top of a of a Henry fumble which but that, was, yeah, the one in wrong. the one in Philly when he was knocked out cold I don't think yeah. he's I don't think he's has he not had one this season maybe he hasn't I can't think of yeah. him having one I'm, I mean I genuinely can't think of one if he has but yeah look right now it's it's not it's not trending in the right direction so I think it is still too soon to call him call him a bust but like, if we if we cut him now or he decided no you didn't want to play football ever again now no one's going to be looking back at that thinking that we got any value out of it even if it was only a short term two years he's been here um it's not it's not trending well for for trailing unfortunately that sounds a bit like sitting on the fence um, as you did say at this moment he is a bust but then you also said it's too early to call him a bust um, so, well, it, yeah, but the reality is, it, it kind of is. I mean, it's still too early to say. <laughs> I agree. Right I agree. now, if I, if I, as I say, as of the seventh of November, yes, he's a bust. <laughs> so, they what we're like saying is, you answer. can't, you can't ask that question, Rob. It's not a fair question. Um, just a couple of answers that people have posted. Um, David Sweetland, I think he is, and I know you shouldn't compare. It's what you were saying, but when you look at who he was signed to replace and the drop-off from AJ to him, you have to say he's a bust. Even when he's fit, I don't feel he's going to make a difference. I know what you mean. Um, Eddie O'Reilly says it's hard to say it's all based on who he came in to replace. Yes, yeah, this again, the guy we traded to be able to pick him. That being said, he has shown me nothing in the one and a half seasons he has played. He had one, he had one half-decent game in Green Bay last season. That's it. I would try and move him as soon as humanly possible. So that's, that's definitely not sitting on the fence. Um, Ryan says, take AJ Brown out of it and do we think he produces enough game to game and is he even on the field enough? I like him, but I can't help but think it's a mistake to rely on him. Should mention, though, I really feel for him after last night. This is obviously Friday. Um, did not like to see the man like that at all, as I'm sure we all didn't exactly. Um, Mike says, bus for me, spends far too long on the injury table when game day arrives, not productive enough. I mean, it's hard to argue with, with most of that. I think what where I sort of want to pull myself back from calling him a bust is we've seen flashes of what he can do. Now I'm going to give a, you mentioned Corey Davis. I'm going to give a comparison for the older Titans fans listening, should we say, or the, the fans that have followed the team for quite a while. And that's Tyrone Calico. Uh, if you remember, if you remember him, I think loads of similarities here. Um, drafted I think Calico was a first round pick I may be getting that completely wrong but the he certainly had that level of hype and had a few sort of flashy plays in his first season but he just he just couldn't stay healthy 
and then miss miss a load of time. I think I'm right in saying he was out of the league within three or four seasons and left mm. you sort of wanting wanting a bit more. And I have those those same vibes, unfortunately. You know, again, you know, they've both already had injury issues. Trainer Burks' injuries, you know, a couple of concussions, it's hard to it's obviously hard to blame a player for that. It's hard to blame a player for almost any injury unless it's, it's stupid or moronic or self-inflicted or something. But yeah, some some guys are prone to it, unfortunately, and it, it's just one of those things. It's my gut feeling is yeah, that's that's the way it's trending, unfortunately, and it makes it so much harder when you see. Like that catch, I think it was against the Bengals last year when he must have jumped seven feet in the air to pull it out the sky somewhere. And he's had a few plays like that, a few really nice catches off deep balls that you know most receivers aren't going to be able to do that. But he's just not done it enough. Um, I, I That's don't, a problem. I hate, Sorry, I hate the, I was just going to say the other thing was I hate the AJ Brown comparisons. It's pointless. We've just got to get past that. He, let's stop comparing him to AJ and let's just talk about him as a first round pick. Um, but in either case, he's falling short. Um, yeah. I think the biggest problem you've got is with, with a receiver, you draft that high. He's got to become, uh, you know, a fundamental part of your offense. He's got to be a go-to guy. Even if you've got Hopkins, who we all know, you know, has become the kind of go-to guy, certainly for Levis in his first couple of weeks. But, you need you need someone like Burks to to step up to the plate, and even in that game, and I appreciate he's, he's just coming off the back of an injury, but in that game, they didn't ever seem like a time. I think he, took, he might have got one catch. I can't remember how many catches he actually got in the end on on Thursday. Um, but there was never a time where you kind of felt like he was looking like Levis was looking for Burks. It was every time it was look for Hopkins. And if Hopkins is there, make the throw. If it's not two, two receptions, sorry, two receptions for 23 yards and an end around for five yards. That was his production. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the, um, one of those receptions was the fourth down or was that the game before? Completely gone. That's the game. I think that, uh, I think that's a game before, but he's had yeah, well, nevertheless, it. Nevertheless, it was a twenty-one it, yarder just... and a two-yarder in there. Right, got yeah. I remember the twenty-one yarder. I think that was that was the one I was I was thinking about in my head because I thought it was the only catch he had. But he's he's just one of those one of those players that he's just not he's not getting the targets that you would expect. He's not getting the. I mean, he got three targets on on Thursday, and for for a guy like Hopkins got an eleven. I mean, Kyle Phillips even got five. Um, yeah, you want to be seeing more from 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 trailing. You want to be seeing him as that as that go to guy. The guys like Phillips, the guys like I mean, even Chick. You kind of just want to be bringing them in on odd plays here and there. You want to be forcing the ball to to Burks and Hopkins. They're your two main guys. I mean, look, Hopkins is stepping up, um, and, and he was you know he wasn't amazing on Thursday night, and that's mostly down to the second half being as poor as it was, but. We just don't have that that go-to guy out, outside of Hopkins right now, so it'll be interesting to see how we approach this in the off-season. But his trade value isn't going to be high. No one's going to be giving us a, any more than probably a four or five realistically for for what is still a young guy who's making his way in the league. So he's, I think, if he does get traded, and again, Ran has shown that you know if he doesn't have the um, connection with the player in regards to you know he's got no history of trailing Burks he was very much drafted in the, in the John Robinson era he's not afraid to make moves and, and, and move them on we will see um, okay yeah other questions so Ryan asked today although we're potentially onto a losing season ourselves more than potentially is there anyone from any other teams in a similar predicament you think we could look to pick up in the off season to add experience I'm conscious we have a few draft picks, but also a lot of capital to use. What are your thoughts? Um, and then he asked the same question an hour and a half later, as if we hadn't answered it fast enough. So sorry about that. Here we are. It is 6.16pm and we are answering your question. Well, we're going to try. It's We have a hell of a lot of cat room. Are we, aren't we leading the NFL or something crazy? Yeah, now, 
now that uh, the Bears traded for um, what's his name, Sweat. I think we've we're now leading from a cap room perspective. So we've got we've we've got the cap now to to make moves, and I, I fully suspect we will make quite a fair few of them. I imagine in this off season. It, the thing the thing here is for me is if it's just all down to whether Levis works out and. Like it's he's he's trending towards doing so. I know we've only seen two games, but two pretty good games. So if he works out, we've got a quarterback with the the wage of a second round pick, which just makes everything so much easier. If you've got that, we've got we might have big problems in three or four years' time. <laughs> that that's but that's down the road for next year. The year the year after, we've got the opportunity to build a hell of a roster around him uh, and i would i would be starting with the o-line <laughs> for for certain not necessarily big splashes in free agency because that doesn't that doesn't tend to be the best strategy with the o-line but going heavy in the draft maybe i don't know if we if we can consider trading for picks or what we've what we've got to offer there but it's it's we've got an opportunity to to really Really stack that that position if we can. Um, yeah, maybe there has to be a. I'm, I'm contradicting myself now, but maybe there has to be a a free agent signing of note at the say uh, the tackle position or something like that. Um, other other areas <laughs> then the running running back. It, it depends what happens with Derek Henry. If if he's gone, he's gone. But if he if we if he's sticking around a, a couple more years, that makes things easier. Um, wide receiver. It's yeah, things probably up in the air, but I feel that those those positions, in a weird way, while you might spend more money on them, they're easier to fix. But there's a lot of work to do for Ran, that's for sure. But he's got he's got a lot of cat room and a lot of resource to do it. What do you think? I think there's two key positions that need to be rectified in the off season. Offensive line, as you're referring to, is 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 definitely number one. Um, I think Aaron Brewer is out of contract after this season. So, what they do with him in that in that centre position? Do they go after someone else? I mean, I can't imagine, and I wouldn't really want them to overpay Aaron Brewer based on what we've seen from him. And I don't dislike him. I just don't think he's going to be worthy of much more than probably what he's getting paid at the moment, which is in the region of over, just over four million dollars, which I think if you look at some of the higher paid centers in the league, they're on two, three times that. So that's I, I, don't, I don't mind. I don't mind Brewer. Is it? He's going to look great when he's an offensive lineman that hasn't really gone down or hasn't made any sort of splashy mess ups, should we say? A couple of bad I, I, snaps, but other yeah. than that, like I, said, I don't hate him at all. I don't. I'm, this isn't. Uh, this isn't me saying get rid of him at all. I think he, I think for the right price, you you you'd want to keep him there for stability. But the tackle positions are are the biggest issue. If Skoronski isn't going to be going to be that man to play left tackle, you've got Petit Frere who's blown a bit hot and cold. Has played both sides a little bit. Um, looks like I don't know if they've officially put him on IR now, but there was rumours about him going on IR. Yeah, so there's a, there's another bit of another bit of news, isn't there? He's having. Shoulder surgery, I think. So, it just likely his season is done as good as um, yeah. It, in terms of, I agree with you. I don't think, and, and I'm basing this off off a, of a very small list that I've seen of, of who's available, or who's out of contract um, at the end of this season, and, and none of them, I would say, yeah, go and chuck money at that guy. Um, there's no one out there I would say that. So, I agree with you. I think that's where we will draft, and that feels classic Titans to probably end up spending the first two picks we have on on offensive linemen but it's important and I'm fine and I'm fine with that I'm absolutely fine with that um I think the other position that is a huge concern of mine at the moment is is corner I think Fulton isn't going to get the payday that he's probably hoping for he's not shown enough to me even though I don't think he's been as bad as what we saw a few weeks ago um, I'm not saying he's, he's been good by any stretch, but I don't think he's been as bad. I just do not see the Titans spending the money uh, that he's probably going to want, and I'm sure he'll get a better deal elsewhere. That cornerback position is. I wouldn't. Is, is I a wouldn't bit of mind. 
I wouldn't mind hanging on to him on the cheap if that was an option, but I don't. Yeah, then it's, it's, it's never it's quite works. I think the only way you're going to get that is if it's like a tell you what, we'll pay you this for one year. You go and prove yourself to be a top corner because he hasn't been that. I mean, his first year, I think we all thought, yeah, this guy looks good. And then he's just just fallen off a cliff since then. Um, everyone's been very critical of him, no more than me, probably. But that is a position that corner is, I still think we are. If you look at the players that we're playing there at the moment, um, you know, we're playing guys in uh, in that position that realistically are all un, either undrafted um, players or, or just ultimately just aren't really good enough. And that's no disrespect to the likes of Trey Avery or... Eric Garor, whatever his name is, how we pronounce his surname. Like those guys are, those guys are coming in just doing doing a job because you know we don't have the depth for that position at the moment. Or you know, obviously Murphy Bunting going down injured hasn't helped either. I'm not sure what his status is at the moment, but he's another one I think probably end up going to end up having to get paid again um, after after this year. So it's definitely a it's definitely a concern. I think we've not outside- had much we've not had much luck at that position when you think about Caleb Farley as well uh, he, he, yeah. he kind of gets forgotten but he, should, but he yeah, shouldn't absolutely. because of what you know a high pick like that yeah absolutely the, Far- the Farley deal I mean we've talked about this a hell of a lot but it's those drafts over the sort of COVID period have, have put this franchise back quite considerably uh, that on top of the sort of AJ Brown debacle I think has put this franchise back a number of years the reason we're rebuilding and even though we're you know we're not going to tank but we're certainly in a rebuild mode right now is partly down to to the way that John Robinson drafted in those years and the roster management subsequently off the back of it as well but you know Murphy Bunting is I think he's out of contract he only signed a one-year deal you've got El Shair that only signed a one-year deal so there's there's guys there that we already have on this team that are going to have to get paid um but there is there's plenty of cap space available to make the right moves. Offensive line and corner are the two positions right now. I think that are going to be key. But I still also think you've got to go and get Levis another weapon on uh, a receiver because if Burks isn't going to be it, Hopkins is going to go into his second year of his contract. Who knows what we're going to do with Derek Henry? The, now we haven't traded him. I kind of think we'll try and get him back for another year unless he again his I mean, he's still performing relatively well at the moment um, when he's given the opportunities. So for receivers me... a position where maybe we should be using the cap space rather than the draft pick to, to try and go, go and get somebody who's looking for their second deal. Be, be that team that, that pays big for, I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting it's like Justin Jefferson or Jabbar Chase sort of, but that, that kind of, receiver who's made a big splash in their rookie rookie contracts and deserves to get paid this we're, we're in the market for guys like that now um, yeah i mean you look at someone like i think at the end of this end of this season you've got t higgins i think is available um that is the sort of player i 100 would be on board us going again um i think you've got michael Pittman's available at the end of this year he's a slightly older guy but he's someone who you know, definitely is the sort of receiver I can imagine Vrabel would love to work with. Outside of that, I mean, you've got you've got guys who are earning kind of big money who are who are coming off the end of those deals who are a bit older. I think you have to go and make a move there. I, I think you have to, but it depends what happens with Burks. I don't think you you could carry Burks, Hopkins, and then pay another receiver. You know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen million. Uh, or even more, maybe. Um, I'll be surprised if they carried all three. So probably does mean that one of them ends up moving on, and it's got I mean, the only one you can see that happening with is Burks, realistically. So, but yeah, yeah. that that is a position that needs to be looked at from a free agency perspective. But I think the priority has to be offensive line and corner for me. Everything else, I think we could we can work with. Um, Langers also asks, no sitting on the fence with this one either. Does Tannehill start on Sunday? No, absolutely no, not. No, he doesn't. I don't. I don't even think he will. Even uh, well, <laughs> we we've been fearing this, haven't we? I don't. And Mike Brable's just—he's becoming. 
like more and more aloof in press conferences, like he's giving giving the reporters nothing, especially if it's Paul Kaharski asking the questions. But I think he's being a bit deliberately evasive on this. Um, but I don't, I don't think we see. I don't understand. Again. I don't understand why though. I, I this is the one thing that like everyone knew this time was going to come. Everyone knew, and and Brian Tannehill especially coming into the last year of his deal, unless he came and and just was two thousand and. 18, 19, Tannehill, um, who just came in and, and, and balled out, like he was always going to be on the back foot. And Levis has come in and, and look, Levis on Thursday wasn't great by any stretch, but I saw more from Levis on Thursday, certainly in the first half, than I saw in five or six games from Ryan Tannehill. It's time to move on and it's time to just call it officially. It's, there's, there's no benefit. And I, I know the Titans always think, oh, yeah, we'll try and keep the teams we're going to play on the following Sunday, keep them on their toes. Like we're past that stage now. You just just call it as it is. Levis is the man going forward. We're going to give him this year, and as long as he stays healthy, he's he's the he's the quarterback. That is the only. I don't understand why he's being aloof. I don't understand. It's almost like he's not he's not happy that. that initially, that my my impression initially was that he was maybe playing a bit of a game. And trying to keep Tannehill's trade value up, but that deadline's passed. There's, there's no need anymore. I, I don't know. I think it's just, it's just the, it's, it's almost like Brable's default reaction is to be like this, and sometimes there isn't a reason for it. And he's, it's, just... it's, it's, it's kind of, it's off the, and Belichick's the same, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's very much that same. Like Belichick's probably even worse to a certain extent. Well, you'll just refuse to comment on loads of things, whereas Vrabel will just say something that you know is is not really giving you an answer, but he'll just he'll just waffle. But for, for me, Vrabel, I just there's a lot of things he's done in recent times that is he does he's not the same character that he was three four years ago. He's always been a, he's always been a bit aloof. He's always like he's always been cagey. He's always had those elements to him, and he's he, I don't know just standing there watching him, he just doesn't look that interested anymore i was watching the uh, post game on thursday the the press conference there and he's just his body language seemed just different just didn't seem as i don't know if he's there's things going on you know with maybe he's not getting on with ran and he's not happy with how that regime is working right now i have no idea but the reality is he just doesn't seem certainly in those interviews doesn't seem his his normal self we i want to talk to, i want to go a bit deeper on this, like there's a bit of noise out there of not I'm not saying Brables are quite on the hot seat yet, but suggesting maybe he's not that far away from it. You know, especially yeah, the idea that you could bring Tannehill back in, for example, would would maybe <laughs> elevate his butt towards that hot seat a bit more. But I don't know when when Brand came, and remember this is less than a year. There was very much a this is we're presenting Ran and Mike Brable together as a as a partnership. We've moved away from what we had before, which was well, obviously, obviously it went wrong with J Rob. We know that. We it's pretty obvious. You'd have to be blind to not realise um, that there were issues there with um, obviously that that draft room on draft night, how things looked, how the body language was. So they were very keen to push a message of actually this is this is going to be we're going to be singing from the same hymn sheet we're going to be making joint decisions this is how it's going to be going forward and I'm not sure it is I I, no, I don't I know I'd love to I'd love to know what Brable thought about trading Kevin Byard because I mean not not that he will say or will maybe ever know but I just have this impression or this fear in the back of my mind that there's the same vibe going on again less less than a year down the line which is worrying I, I kind of felt like the breakup if you like with John Robinson and Vrabel and and what happened on that side it was a uh, the time had just come like the, there was enough mistakes that that had happened and and that was and that was that this is almost on the on the reverse side. We haven't seen enough from Ran at the moment to know whether whether he's doing a good job right now or not. 
But with Rabel, yeah, well, we're seeing him. Really, it'd be ludicrous to fire a can't, you can't ju- you can't year, no, you can't gonna... you can't judge him. No, 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 of course not. You can't judge him right now. With Rabel, however, if you look at how he's coached in this team compared to how he's coached it in previous years, it, it it's not good. Like I, I, the we've talked about this a few times around the coaching staff that he's he's hired. You know, Tim Kelly, that 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 driver the, in the second half of the game on on Thursday night. Where, I mean, he jumped to his defence and immediately said, "Oh, it just wasn't executed well." It was a r- ridiculous drive, a ridiculous play calling. Like you have to sometimes call things as you see it, and just calling it as we got it wrong. It wasn't called that way. It was called by Vrabel as, "Ah, oh, we didn't execute well enough." He which... talked about the the draw to Spears on third down. Or... Yeah, on third, was it third yeah. and ten draw to Spears? But I mean, even even prior to that, like the whole the whole. And the fourth down play, the whole thing was was just it was just ridiculous to be honest with you. I just I think Vrabel is one of those ones that at some point I'd be amazed if Ran and Amy didn't turn around. It's it's a Mike Malarkey situation again. He doesn't turn around and say, Right, we need to go and bring some coaches in who can actually go and run this offense, go and run this defense. You can be the head coach and we want your say in this stuff, but we want someone who can actually go and run this. I find it strange that he's like this because he's always, like, for the most part, the time he's been with us, and this is the sixth season, which seems, which is actually quite a lot. It's his sixth season, season as head coach. And he's largely impressed us. I think early, early on, he frustrated us at times by being a bit gung-ho mm. with some of the decision-making. If anything, he's gone the other way, which frustrates us at times. But... The, the 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 game the in-game decisions are one thing, but it, it's the it's the mixed messages. It's it's the vibe that I what I don't like at the moment. Where, like going back to not naming Levis as starter, it just suggests that they don't have a a joint coherent plan in place. To me, mm. um, I mean, you mentioned, yeah, Tim Kelly. Um, it feels it doesn't feel like we've really moved on from Todd Downing, and it's it's Brable's mates have these jobs, the coordinator jobs, and it, it this is where it sort of confuses me because Brable doesn't strike me as a guy without ambition. Uh, maybe maybe he's just felt himself that he's coming to the end of the road in Tennessee. I don't know, uh, which is which is that- a, which is odd when you've had this introduction to Rank Carthen and they're right we've, we've got to change of direction this we're going to do things differently but I think wouldn't he I have think... more ambition to want to get someone offensively minded in that could work with work with this team and move it forward because there's huge potential I think I, it boils down to one word for me with Mike Vrabel and it's about control if you go and get a, like last year and and they've done this in previous years as well but last year that defense that we had last year was clearly down predominantly down to Jim Swartz and I'm not saying that you know Shane Bowen isn't uh isn't a capable defensive coordinator but we've seen a regression in this defense even prior to Bayard being uh being moved on when we had you know pretty much the same personnel bar a few here and there um it feels to me like Bowen is one of the boys. Tim Kelly is one of the boys. And next year, if if they might turn around and say, "Well, let's go and get an offensive mind who can go and work as a um, and do what Jim Schwartz did for the defense last year," they might do that for sure. But the overall, it feels like it's a control thing. And obviously, we don't know. We're not in in these four walls. We have no idea what really goes on. But it, there's there's no coincidence when it comes to you've gone from having a, a defense that last year played lights out for the majority of the year you lose Jim Swartz and it's regressed. Offensively, you know, look, Vrabel's not an offensive-minded coach. He just wants someone he can he can trust. And when I say he can trust, he can kind of influence in the right way. And I think Tim Kelly is exactly that guy, as Todd Downing was. But it's it just doesn't... But that doesn't is, is feel that, me... This is a weakness, though. If this, if this is the case, this is him being weak because a good leader should be able to... Have the, have the balls to appoint someone better and to still but have what I don't, But what I don't understand is we went through this same situation with Mike Malarkey and Terry Rubisky. And it was a case of that Amy went to them and uh, went to Mike and said, get rid of Rubisky, 
and we'll bring in a new uh, offensive coordinator. And he was he was one of those guys saying, no, I, I, I want to run it my way. I want to keep him. And he lost his job over it. Why is that same conversation not happening potentially? Maybe it is, but it doesn't feel like there's ever pressure coming on you know, the hires from a coaching perspective. And we've had the same conversation over the years with the injuries we've had in terms of, you know, what do we have from a physiotherapy or sports science, all those, all those things that can stop player or help players from, from, from picking up these kind of, some of the injuries that we've seen. It just doesn't seem like ever that ever moves forward. It's almost a case. I think Vrabel's got almost too trusted and too comfortable and no one is, is, is really calling him out until recently. No one really would call him out on anything. And he has become more aloof in, in his interviews. It does feel like there's something going on. It wouldn't surprise me if at some point in the future, he, you know, in the next year or, or even in this off season coming, if he just went, you know, well, I, I'm, I want to go and try, do something different, do something new, because I don't think he strikes me as a take guy over, who wants to go take and Take over for Bill Belichick at the Patriots. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. It really wouldn't. And, and it wouldn't shock me. Obviously, look, there's history there, clearly. Um, obviously, he's just been in, in uh, Bruins, their Hall of Fame. Like, it wouldn't shock me in the slightest. He's the sort of guy that that the Patriots would, would go after if Belichick did step down. And I think that's very much going to be on Belichick to make that decision rather than probably their ownership to some extent. But he's just, it wouldn't surprise me if that's where he ended up going come the end of this season. Not that I'd necessarily want that, but what I do want to see from Frabel is, you know, I think we need to go back to what we did with Mike Malarkey, where there's a, a bit of a ultimatum put on you of, you know what, we're going to go and hire and Ran being part of that. We're going to go and hire the coaches or the coordinators at least um, to run this offense and to run this defense because I don't think with Kelly and Bowen, they're capable coordinators. Um, I think I think I think Vrabel got not lucky with Arthur Smith, but I think Arthur Smith worked out. But Arthur Smith was still of that same elk of he was you know promoted from within, and he was kind of one of the boys. He he worked out for us, and we went a, a, an incredible offense then. But you know he he had enough about him. Everyone else he's picked so far, I don't think has. I'd, I'd include Matt for Lafleur in that from his first year, for what it's worth. I, I, I still don't quite understand how he got the, the job he did in Green Bay. Well, Lafleur, Lafleur, would he, you? Uh, yeah. That's what that's what we called him, I think, back then, didn't we? But Lafleur was an interesting one because he he applied and interviewed for the head coaching job and that Vrabel then got. He he came to Tennessee to to call plays because he didn't do it under uh, in for the Rams. So it was a that was that but was what, a, what, always for what me. Place like a <laughs> what place did he call the fourth down in London, handing off to Luke Stocker? All of that, that's 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 what I remember. No, no, I agree. no, no, I agree, I agree. But I think sometimes there's some people, and actually, I think it with Green Bay, I don't think he's done a terrible job, I don't think he's done a great job either. But some people are just better suited almost to being head coaches, and I think Vrabel's probably like that. But the problem with Vrabel is that he just cannot, you know, every single coordinator we've had bar one or two here and there, has been a bit of a car crash. Um, and, he, and I think that it probably boils down to the, to the rest of the coaching staff as well. I'm not, I don't think that coaching staff is, is at the same level that you will see from probably someone, a team like the Niners, for example. Yeah, that's, well, that's a very different level sideways, maybe as well. Very diff- different kettle of fish there. Okay, moving, moving on. I don't know if there's much, we need much else to look back on from Thursday night. It feels a long time ago. Um, you mentioned a third down play call, which seemed, seemed relevant. Um, ultimately, three points in the second half from us wasn't going to get it done. And it's weird. I, I feel I feel a bit like, as this came up in a press conference and people were scratching their heads at the answer, but it does feel like the defence despite on, only conceding 20 points, is sort of to blame. Yet, offensively, we scored only three points in the second half. It was a weird one. Um, and, yeah, Will Levis had another good game. And, you know, what was it? 262 passing yards. The interception at the end, it, I'm not... Well, it is on him because he threw it, but it's 
it's taking a risk you've got to take in that situation. I can't. You know, it's got a bit garbage time, wasn't it? Really, in a weird sense, it was. It was a bit like scoring a garbage time touchdown. It was. It's not really. I, I, what I saw from Levis. What, on, what do you want him to do? Was... Check it. What do people want him to do? Check it down. Well, we're not going to. We're not going to. Well, I mean, I mean check it down. In, so, in previous years, you would throw. It, I mean, we'd throw it behind the sticks to Westbrook Aquino or someone. So I don't blame him taking the <laughs> shot. He had to do it at the end of the day. But um, I, I, what I saw from Levis, first half, I thought was. We were kind of in control. We just didn't get enough points on the board. Second half wasn't good all round, and uh, defensively and offensively, both both sides of the ball was was poor in the second half. Um, didn't execute enough uh, on third down. Didn't get them off the field when we needed to. Um, the just just going Deontay just, Johnson. The Deontay Johnson was a difference maker. That play deep ball down the sideline, which then led to the touchdown. Just looking at our drives in the second half. First drive, three and out, straight from the kickoff. Um, next drive, then the Steelers got a field goal. Next drive, we get the ball moving, um, a field goal of us for ourselves. That, and that's the end of the third quarter. So there was a lot of time taken off here. Then the Steelers punt, then then we punt. One first down on that drive. Um, and then the Steelers have their long touchdown drive. And then it's the the drive with the third down and the the fourth down in completion to Burks, then, then the Steelers punt, and we have the desperation drive at the end, which actually we actually looked quite good until that final play on that, mm. on that drive when you're sort of not expecting too much, um, more, a bit more from Carl Phillips. Carl Phillips in the two minute drill, both halves seem to feature. Um, yeah, I think as I as a to... as a receiver in that situation, I think he's all right. You just can't return punts. Yeah, I, tr- I trust I trust eighty one at times. Um, just just uh, not punting uh, punt mm. returns, but he's um, look. I think we we moved the ball quite nicely at times. It was just the, the the those imperative moments where you know you've got to go and take the game by the scruff of the neck, and that's the same with with defensively. You know they've moved the ball down, and that Deontay Johnson play. Um, I agree with you was was a big one, but actually even even then. You know the Tennessee Titans of old, the defense of old would have, you know, you talk about goal line stands. You hold them to three there, and you go into that final drive. You know, six or final couple of drives it ended up being, but you know, you go into those sixteen all. It's it's a different story because you don't have that sort of immense pressure. Do you call the that same the same plays? Probably not. And but it's you, know, you need points. But you don't need a touchdown. I know. Yeah, I I agree. Although, don't forget that Pickens should have had a touchdown. Earlier, when he couldn't get his feet in bounds, and we had so we held yeah, them there. That was just that was that was just lazy from him, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah, no, it I was. Think, but I think we, yeah, okay, we I agree. I agree. No, 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 I agree. But like you, you, you. What I'm saying more than anything there is, if you hold them to three, you go, you go sixteen, sixteen with the, I don't know how long was left. Couldn't be any more than about four, three or four minutes. Yeah, I'd fancy us to maybe go and nick it, but. When you knew you needed a touchdown, it always felt like, even though we were moving the ball nicely in that final drive that obviously led to nothing in the end, it kind of always felt like it was going to be a bit just one point too far almost, um, which was a sh- which was a shame yeah. because it was one of those you know one of those games that I don't think the Steelers were great. Obviously, you know, offensive line wasn't great for us, and you know they were getting a lot of joy and a lot of pressure. But that's to be expected when you've got TJ Watt. Um, but the problem, the problem for us, I guess, is you know we're just missing too many pieces right now to really be contenders in any way. And it's it's a it's a weird situation to be in. I think we said this a week or two ago on the podcast. Like you want to win games, but at the same time, I don't think this benefits you know, us going seven and ten this year. Isn't going to benefit us in the long run. So it is a, a really odd situation to be in when you you know you don't want to tank but at the same time you know you want to be in a position where you could go and get a top six top seven pick um that could actually go and make a huge difference to your season the next year having said that i don't know what the offensive line <laughs> class looks like for 2024 so um they might not be there are always there are always offensive linemen in the draft um, yeah a quick quick look quick look at tampa then so Sunday's opponent on the road down in Florida. Now, are you going? You must be going. I am. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. be. Yeah, going to be at that one on Sunday. So yeah, it should be uh, hell. I'm sure. <laughs> um, 
It should be winnable, though. I kind of look at Tampa. Tampa could... Baker Mayfield's just the sort of guy that he could win any game and lose any game. And that that defeat from them, the way they went up, it ended up being a complete shootout in Houston, which they, rid, they were struggling to keep pace. Um, and I think a similar type of game we should come out we should come out on top I would I would think I can't remember being in a shootout I can't remember what that's like but um, <laughs> I, I, I've I've got a gut feeling that we'll we'll bounce back and get a win there Do you agree? I I actually don't um, I oh, think okay. that they're offensive <laughs> I I know I I think like even with Baker Mayfield they've got they've got some good weapons and the problem with us right now is I don't think we can score enough points. And I know the Atlanta game was probably a, a slight anomaly in that regard. I'm worried about, can we score enough points to keep up with them? Because the defense isn't stopping enough right now. Um, and even though the, you know, the Pittsburgh came, as we said earlier, it was only a, you know, really conceded 20 points. I think with a better uh, offense and with more of the weapons that they have, I've, you know, they could easily go and score 28 30 points and that feels like a, a long long way away from what this offense can can bring up no matter how good Levis could look so I'd be surprised if we went in there and won that game I think the next two are going to be really really tough for us um, obviously going into the Jags the week after um, it's winnable it's not a game that I'm, I'm not going to say we've got absolutely no chance to win it I do think we can win it Am I expecting to? I, I can't say I am. Okay, we've. Uh, I think we'll agree to disagree on this on the the puck scale. I, I can see. I think the reason I disagree with you is I have. I can believe we can score enough points. The the way Levis has looked, um, and I think like maybe maybe it will all fall down around me as I say. As I'm saying all this, this stuff. No, no, but... no this. This is a sim- This feels a similar game to the Steelers in game in in many ways in regards to, and I think I said this last week. The Bucks the, have got a, but the Bucks have not got the defense that Pittsburgh do. No, not no, even no. Close. They, this no, is, no, this they is the difference. But they, they, what I mean, similarity from their offense perspective is is all about the pressure we can get. If we can get pressure on Baker, then absolutely the defense can can hold us, and we can we could keep them to. A, something where we could the shoot out of, I don't know, 16, 19 or something. But it's, <laughs> I just, I don't, we, I don't think we've seen enough from a pass rushing perspective over the last uh, few games, especially to say that we're going to, we're going to be able to put Baker Mayfield on his backside. Also, we can't seem to win away from home this year. We've lost, I think we're Owen four technically on the road. Yeah, but the, the, we, yeah. we've yeah we lost in London five home, include yeah. London as well, so it's it, it's one of those games on the road rookie QB. I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm not confident. I'm not saying there's no chance. I do think we've there's there's always a chance. I just think they will have too much. They'll put too many points on the board, and it will become a struggle for us. We can't be chasing games. We have to get back to to being in control of the clock. And even if it's close, which it always is close, let's be honest. But even if it's close, if we need to be on our terms, um, which be interesting to see if we can we can make it work that way because they've still got a pretty good offense. Defensively, give, give, I agree, us, give, give me Pittsburgh. give me a score prediction then, and we're just going to see how ridiculously different these are. Twenty twenty four seventeen Tampa. All right. I agree with the 24, but I think the Titans get 34. There you go. 34? 34, 34, we haven't scored 30 34, points 24. in about two years. This is happening. This is what I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, jumping back to Discord for the important stuff. Uh, David Sweetland, what are the best crisps to eat whilst watching the NFL? Uh, I mean, it's it's mm. just regardless of watching NFL, just the best crisps. It, it's jalapeno and cheese. Walker's Max Strong. Um, it's a pretty pretty easy one to answer for me. There are other crisps, but they're just not as good. I'm not a massive fan of like jalapeno flavored crisps, so I'd probably go something more like uh, barbecue hula hoops because I'm that kind of guy. Oh, I do like a barbecue hula hoop, but that that's so far from being the goat. 
Oh, yeah, I'm sure it is, but that's, that's just what I like. Mm. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I feel like I feel like this is wasted on us. We needed we needed Mars for this question. We need Miles here, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. All right, Adam Burnham, perhaps one to save until the off season or a quieter period. We'll never be organised enough to do that. So let's have a look now. Which <laughs> I love this. Which towns and villages near you sound like backup NFL QBs? Um, a couple of answers. Um, back for seventy-seven, the Giants draft second-year QB from Clemson, Roley Regis. Um, I'd also say this one would be believable. Budley Salterton, um, <laughs> the, the which is down near Devon, down near Exeter. Budley Salterton, definitely. Um, I'm thinking on my feet here. I'm gonna oh. little village near me, Much Haddam. That could yeah, be a, no, the well. name of a quarterback. Um, yeah, or even yeah, well. but a bit. Or slight, going slightly larger, Bishop Stortford. Bishop Stortford is definitely a journeyman QB's vibe to him. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. The one, the one, there's one near me. Um, How about the double-barreled Ke- Welling Garden City? <laughs> that double-barreled could work. One for me uh, near me is called Keeley Green, which actually sounds more like some girl that someone's dated somewhere. But she's there's definitely. Not, there's not many. She dated Roy Kent in Ted Lasso, didn't she? I'm sure. That's prob- probably true. Probably <laughs> true. Trying to, try to think of anywhere else near me where. Uh, I'm hoping for some more few, replies on Discord to this. There's, there's, that's a, uh, there's loads of potential with that. Yeah, I should have read Discord and I could have actually planned this a bit better. But um, there's quite a few. There's quite a few places that, like you, you'd say is like surnames but four names is, is probably where i'm going to struggle i'm not I, I, I would go actually i'm going to go like i'll give you one more and it's not really a town or a village it's a a part of london or a railway station hackney downs hackney downs could definitely be a a second string quarterback in the nfl there's one uh near stevenage there's a little village called rush green oh okay yeah Rush, rush, rush green. That's too good. <laughs> yeah. too right. Realistic. Shall we have a very quick non-Titans related of our own? And you, I don't know if you've got anything to be angry about. Grumpy old men podcast. We should be grumpy. I've always got things to be angry about. Um, so that's what there was. There's a bit of drama that's happened um, in recent times. I uh, got a letter that came through. What should I say? Yes, he got a letter that came through um, saying that uh, that her car is is uh, is not sufficient for for the ULES in London, so she got a fine for driving through London. And I was like, "When did you drive through London?" It turns out her, her plates have been cloned. So oh. um, someone someone's uh, yeah someone's cloned them and driven through the middle of London, and uh, a fine came through. So yeah. That was a, a bit, of, bit of a nice little drama to to add to what was a pretty mundane week. Um, so yeah, having to report that to the to the police, being like, yeah, someone's driving on my plates. Um, but it's one of those things you kind of report it, and then you never get kind of you'll you'll never get told if it ever gets actually picked up. So for no, a week, yeah, no news is good news. Still... I had, I had uh, my, I think the last car I got about three or four months after I'd had it, I had a speeding ticket through and i'm like i haven't been along there and i looked into it and it transpired it was while the car was being delivered the driver that took it to it so i i wrote to whatever police force it was and show like came up with as much evidence as i could find like delivery notes dates and stuff and which obviously proved that i wasn't I wasn't driving it and but i never heard anything back i think i actually had to post a letter um, so yeah. yeah, no, no news is good news. They don't, they don't, they won't bother to. They don't have the courtesy to tell you that you're all right. I'm sure. I'm sure that'll be the case. The, the funny thing was, is when we reported it, obviously we were like, oh, we'll contest the fine because I'm not paying for a fine um, for this. So when 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 yes, contested it, they were like, why do you think it's not you? And there was like <laughs> photos. There was like photos where they clearly like used a similar car, but it's also clearly a very different car. And they were like, well, why do you not? Why do you think it's not you? And I was like, I thought well, you were about because... to say they put a wig on. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, because uh, we live like fifty miles from London, and and luckily, shout out to Ring. We got Ring footage to uh, 
to say that our, our car was on the drive at, at that exact point because it was like five ten on whatever date. Um, <laughs> and and then good old good like, old ring doorbell. It finally it's finally paid off. Oh, it's, it's, it's it's the investment was worth it after all. Um, but yeah, in the end they were just like, oh okay, no worries, yeah. And then it was like gone from being like really why do you, why do you think this isn't right to all of a sudden like, oh okay, cool, well, you got that, cool, send it over and we'll we'll contest it for you. It's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so yeah, I'm fully expecting at some point there's some drug dealer in the middle of London who's driving on Yessie's car plates, which is great fun. But uh, hopefully it doesn't come back to bite us in some some fashion. Yeah, it's whether you get a string of letters of similar of similar type. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think they're just they're just obviously trying to trying to use it to to keep themselves under the radar. They've just gone right. Yeah, let's find this exact car type that's got an MOT and is taxed, um, and just swap the plates over. But there you go. It is what it is. So luckily, we haven't had any police knocking on the door claiming that we're uh, drug dealing or anything like that, which is good because <laughs> we do not. <laughs> I mean, you, if, if you did, you wouldn't say it on air. I'm um, just, just like, just play devil's advocate here. Um, <laughs> I don't need to justify this. I'm 100 percent not a drug dealer. <laughs> um, all right, I'll quickly finish. Oh, I wanted it to be quick, but it's it might snowball. Um, Ange Postecoglou, new Tottenham, new Tottenham manager. How long can you call him new? Um, he's great. I've never been. I've never celebrated a 4-1 defeat like I did last night. Um, but I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk quickly about interviewers, Sky Sports specifically, but there are others who use the opportunity just to cut. Like, it's not interviewing the manager because they care what he's got to say. It's interviewing the manager to push him and provoke him into, like, a little headline for social media. That's all they're trying to do. And it was just like... Oh, well, it's the first time Big Ange has lost, so let's see if we can get him to flip or have a go at the referee or something. And he wasn't having any of it. Pure class. He just And I could just tell where the interviewer was trying to take him. And he was just, with huge amounts of class and dignity, not having it. He just basically said, I'm not the sort of guy that's going to uh, have a go at a decision that a referee makes. I'm just going to accept it. Are you sure? You don't have a problem with Romero's tackle leading to a red card? Yeah, I'm going to accept the decision. Referees are being undermined enough as it is, and it was so refreshing to just to hear that. Um, and then the he, best uh, part of that, though, he got he didn't he get booked for for uh, having to go at the referee during the game though, I which is which booked, by the way is, is, makes makes it makes it even funnier if the fact he's he's like defending the referees after just getting booked <laughs> during the game. I I'm might be wrong. Sure, well, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, well, maybe uh, yeah, I don't know exactly. But he he had a. His issue with VAR was just it being there and it disrupting the flow of the game. He didn't have an issue with yeah. any of his decisions, per se. Yeah. Um, VAR but then can, he... can, get in, can get in the bin. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. <laughs> we don't have time for that. Um, the, the the interview then followed up with a, trying to criticise him playing a high line when, he's, when Tottenham were down to nine men, which on the face of it looked a bit bold. And just He just stood there and went, as long as I'm here, this is what you're going to get, and smiled. I thought I love this guy. <laughs> kind of respect it, like in regards to uh, I was watching that game last night, and I was like, I kind of respect what they're trying to do, but also it's it was suicidal. But at the same time, with nine men, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Gonna sit back. They're anyway. going to get. They're going to score anyway. I'd rather lose trying to win than lose trying not to lose, and that's the difference. As there's no way in the world if we'd sat back with nine men that Chelsea no, weren't going to exactly. score at some point anyway. At least, at least it do always, it. It was always going to get. It was always going to get called out though by Gary Neville with his groans and whatever else. Ah, <laughs> oh, good old Gary Neville, um, friend of the show, friend of Neil's, isn't he? Like, uh, I just wanted Neil, to Neil say that Gary. just to uh, just to see if Neil's still listening at this point. Um, I'm sure he. <laughs> I'm sure he will be. Right, let's go. Let's get out of here. We have finished nice and promptly. It's seven p.m. There's a time check for you. Um, been nice to chat. I quite like a twosome, a twosome every now and then. Um, yeah, that's right. Of pace. It's, I can I can understand what you say, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, potentially back next week to some incomprehensible people, but what can I do? Um, we have to. It's like quotas. We have to fill. We have to have so many episodes with Northerners. Um, it's a legal requirement. So, in the meantime, enjoy beating Tampa on Sunday or losing to them if you believe Greg um, one of us will be right 
we'll see we'll see which of us next week oh, it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna be a tie now isn't it oh we've never had a tie <laughs> i don't know there you go tie it is i'll take it i'll take it i'll take a tie <laughs> Let's see. We'll discuss it anyway. Uh, whether that's with you, it'll be with somebody. Um, we'll be back next week. Tighten up. Beat those bugs. Tighten up. Breaking news. We have some breaking news, Greg. It's literally uh, breaking and news. In fact, let's give you a time check. We've just been waffling off air. It's now 7.07pm. Give us the breaking news. Breaking news has come from ESPN, so I don't know how trusted it is, but officially Mike Vrabel has named Will Levis as the starting quarterback and Ryan Tannehill as backup. What everyone wanted, what everyone said is the right thing to do, Mike Vrabel has, has made the decision finally, despite being coy for weeks over it. it we have may a new starter render, in Tennessee. may well render some of what we said earlier in the podcast completely meaningless, um, but I'm fine with it. I mean, everything we say in the podcast is completely meaningless, let's be honest. That's true. The right outcome. The right outcome, though. Um, that's good news. Um, it needed to happen, didn't it? So, um, But we're still done. I'm done. Let's get out of here. Um, yeah, we're still losing to Tampa, by the way. That hasn't changed my mind on that. <laughs> at, least we know, at least we know for sure who's going to be doing it. Uh, exactly. There you go. Enjoy. Enjoy. We'll never on Sunday.